right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Family Matters podcast. We're finally named, so that's exciting. My name is Jackie Livingston. This is our second episode in a series we're doing on marriage and the second episode that we've ever recorded. So Kendra, you want to say hi? Yeah. Hi everybody, I'm Kendra and I'm excited to be here. And I'm mostly going to be reacting this episode since Jackie knows way more about finances than I do. So I'm going to be the everyman who says, wow, yeah, debt sucks. <laughs> and, um, but uh, we both are married. We both have little boys and uh, we're excited to talk about finances and hopefully help some people out. Yeah, I am so excited. So I'm not a morning person, but it is 6 a.m. at my place right now and I'm like giddy with excitement to talk about this. So that says something. So today we're going to be talking about how to find financial unity in marriage. And before you turn off this episode, just hear us out because I follow a lot of different podcasts and inevitably in every podcast that I follow, they do some sort of an episode on budgeting and I always skip it until I've listened to everything else because I actually hate talking about budgeting usually. But as I've learned more and as I've come to find peace within that area of my life, it excites me because you know what? Once you can have peace in this area, gosh, it makes everything just so much easier. So first we kind of want to talk about why do we need to have financial unity in marriage? And what Kendra and I offer to you is we like to go through what the research says, what family researchers, family scientists, people who have dedicated a lot of time into understanding these things, we like to know what they have to say and we want to bring it to you. So just a couple things that I've found. There's one quote from a article about U.S. divorce rates. And I will put a link to this quote in the show notes. But it says, quote, According to a 2009 study by Jeffrey Dew at the Utah State University, one of the best indicators of marital discord is what he terms financial disagreements. Couples who disagree about finances once a week are over 30% more likely to get divorced than couples that report disagreeing about finances a few times a year. Disagreeing about finance means fighting about money. So... Yeah. Kendra, what do you think about this quote? I think the, the research has shown that financial disagreements increase the likelihood of divorce. And I think it's worth noting that it's not necessarily just whether or not your family is doing well financially. I think it's obvious that you're going to have more financial disagreements if you're really, really struggling financially as a family. But the research shows that's not all. You can have arguments about money, whether you're millionaires or starving students like we've been. So I think yeah. learning how to talk about money, how to work about uh, work with money in your marriage is critical regardless of what your income level is. And so exactly. that's what we want to talk well, about Well, and today. that just goes to the point that it does not matter how much you're making. It matters how you use what you make. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize. It's like you can be a millionaire, a billionaire and still have tons of financial issues and a lot of financial stress because you're silly with money. Another study did, it was a longitudinal research done by researchers from the Utah State University, Texas Tech University, and Kansas State University, and they analyzed data from 6,000 couples over the course of several years. And they found that relative to other types of disagreements, financial disagreements had were stronger predictors of divorce. They also found that 
the act of financially dis or, uh, disagreeing about finances was a greater predictor of divorce compared to financial inequity within the marriage or financial well-being. So in other words, how you both discuss and agree about financial issues matters more than your financial well-being or if you make more than your spouse. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, yeah. Why do you think yeah. financial disagreements are so much bigger of a deal than other, like disagreeing about the kids or disagreeing about religion? Like why, why is finances such I think a big deal? It underscores a lack of unity in dealing with the family resources. Cause if you think about it, your finances are how you're able to go about your life. You know, you need to have money to do what you want to do in life. And if you cannot agree on how you use that money, then that leads into almost every aspect of your life, I would say. Cause you know, if you, if you have a, a member of your relationship who's blowing money, thousands of dollars on whatever, and you don't have enough money to pay your bills, that creates stress in every aspect of your life. But what do you think, Kendra? I, I agree. I think lack of unity in dealing with family resources. Also, I think money is an interesting thing because money is symbolic of a lot of other things. Money means something different to different people and it's yes. an incredibly personal meaning. Whether money signifies safety to you yes. or freedom or power or the ability mm -hmm. to, to help others or the ability to live a luxurious lifestyle. Money comes into our lives and it really money is just a, it's almost a placeholder for just power in general. Like when power comes in your life, when resources come into your life, what do you do with it? You know, how do you use it? And so because it's so personal, we need to not only understand our own relationship with money, mm -hmm. but we need to respect the fact that our spouse is not going to have the same relationship with money. And in fact, Gottman, who we talked about last week, has found that financial issues in a marriage are the least likely issues to be resolved mm -hmm. over time. In other words, people who have significant differences between them on finances are likely to, to continue having disagreements mm -hmm. about finances. And, and we want to talk about the fact today that that's okay. And that even though spouses yeah. are not necessarily going to feel exactly the same about money that you can still be unified in your marriage exactly and that's the point yeah so we want to with that that's a good segue into our next part so obviously having unity having peace within your financial doings is important but how do we get there because i think we can all agree that that is something we all want for our relationships but what do we do about it Kendra and I are not financial experts, but we've learned from true experts. And Kendra, you've been married how many years? Six. I forget. Mm -hmm. Six. She's been married six years. I've been married four years, and we both have been through school with our spouses, and that is a time where most people would say don't get married because of the financial stress that can come out of it. But, you know, hey, we grants, did it. man. Yeah. Big, big pluses if you're married while in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, mm, it's almost worth it to get married for that. Um, <laughs> but, but so basically my point is we've had to navigate different financial uh, places. Does that, mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. if that comes out right. But so we have had to learn a thing or two and we want to share that with you today. And a lot of the information here comes from gurus and, you know, people who actually do know what they're talking about. Anyways, 
the most important thing, principle number one, is that you need to establish unity with your spouse. And as Kendra said, that doesn't mean that you feel the exact same way as your spouse, but it does mean that you guys are both, you both have the same plan. Yeah. You have decided this is how we're going to deal with our money and you agree about it and you have peace over that. Again, it does not matter who makes more or how much you make. The mm-hmm. couples who have the most peace within their financial lives are the ones who feel united and involved in the planning and utilizing of a budget. So when trying to find unity within your marriage, you need to recognize that you are on a team and there is a special intimacy and bonding that comes from establishing a we mindset with your finances. And you know, that does take a lot of respect and humility and discipline, but I would say that if you can find unity in how you deal with your money, that takes care of so many other areas of your marriage. And I, and I think research, as we've established, has proven that. And just for me personally, as kind of a personal testimonial of this, I feel like the, one of the strongest parts of my husband in, in my marriage is that we are completely unified about where we want our money to go. And within that, we have the same vision for what we want. And we're not the exact same. You know, we came from different backgrounds and we've had to learn each other's habits and how we personally see money and come to respect that. But as we have and as we've together developed a budget for our family, we both find a lot of freedom and trust within each other because we know that we have the same vision. We, you know, honestly, we've never had a financial disagreement because we're coming from a place of unity. So Kendra, do you have anything to say about the importance of unity? Yeah, I think uh, one one key, and actually this idea about unity, uh, secret um, spoiler for future episodes is going to come up many times in our discussions about marriage. And I, I think a key, not just being unified, but the fact that your marriage is not going to look like other people's marriages. Mm-hmm. And that is that is true for intimacy, that is true for finances, that's true for communication. And how and when and where and with whom you, you are using this, it's spending money, saving money, however you do things, um, the most important thing is that you're on the same page. And whether that leads to the two of you just living a really luxurious lifestyle or living really simply or, or whatever, there are certainly principles that are, are going to reduce conflict in marriage. But in general, as long as the two of you are on the same page, having financial troubles by themselves do not predict divorce. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I would say making sure that you're on the same team. My grandparents have a way that they divvy up money, how they manage, you know, who's going to spend what and who's going to earn what. And that's very different than my parents and very different than me. But it works for them. And so it's figuring out, first of all, what works for the two of you. And it's okay if that doesn't look like other people's marriages. So that's, I think, that's the first thing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And actually, I'm curious, Jack, you said that you guys have never had a financial disagreement. You've always been on the same page. Did you guys come, <laughs> uh, no, I'm curious. I actually want to kind of hear, what, what, what's, the, what's the story? Like, did you come from different places? <laughs> have you both always oh, been yeah. <laughs> really good with finances yourselves? So number one, my husband and I are not arguers. So take that into account. Some people are... Some people have wonderful, loving, passionate relationships and they argue a lot. And, and you know, my husband and I are not that way. If we have contention, we both cry. Um, so <laughs> we just don't like it. So that's number one. Know that about us. Number two, uh, yes, 
I mean, I've had, I, I started working for my dad when I, for my dad's company when I was 12 every summer. And so I learned, you know, I remember my mom, I got my first paycheck and I was excited about it. And my mom said, haha, that's funny. $75, that'll cover like half of a textbook in college. And I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to afford college. So I just, I did become a bit of a saver, but that also is because what a lot of what I needed was provided for me by my parents. I got clothes at Christmas and birthdays and I, I had, you know, so I, I learned that the money I was earning, I wanted to save. And my husband, he did buy more things for himself growing up, but he also kind of was more of a saver. So we, we both are more savers. We're both more the same financial type. So that helps a ton. And then we both see money as a way to help our family. That's the point of it. We don't see money as a, we don't see like someone's paycheck as a way to find meaning for them individually. We see paycheck as a means to an end. Does that make sense? Because I think some people judge their worth or their freedom or, you know, based off of how much money they individually make. And we just see it as this is money coming in to help our family. So we use it as that. So we, we've both had the mindset of our whole marriage. How is this money going to bless our family? And we figure out what is the best way for this money to bless our family. And then we both agree that that's what it should be for. Does that answer your question at all? Yeah, it does. And that's really cool that you guys are both savers, um, like you talked about. Do you want to talk about sort of financial yes, types? Yes, so that, that's a good transition into. So the next thing after you recognize, okay, we need to establish unity. Well, now here are some of the things how you do that. So you need to figure out what type of person you are financially. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? And a good way to think about this is if somebody gave you $300, okay, what would your first inclination be? Would it be to, oh, great, we're going to put in a pool, so let's put it in our pool pot. Or would it be, yay, I can go shopping. You know, like, would you want to save it? Would you want to spend it? When you get money, what is your first inclination? Is it to put it away for something or is it to use it? And I think sometimes that depending upon who you are, you think the other person is dumb and wrong. Like me, I'm I'm more of a saver. So if, if somebody wants to blow that $300, my inclination is like, oh, well, you're irresponsible. But then, <laughs> but then, you know, someone who's a spender, they experience things like they, they go out and they travel and they do all this exciting stuff and they, and they have a rich life and they, you know, and they have that, I, I don't want to say freedom necessarily, but they, but they like go out and experience things. And, and that's a wonderful, cool thing. Like, you know, my husband and I are always saying, okay, yeah, we can't save everything because you do need to get out and experience life. Like we don't want to get yeah. to the end of our life and have a bunch of money in the bank and not have ever done anything. So, yeah. And I, I, I think over the course of, of this discussion, I've discovered that I am definitely in the spender category. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm, I'm that person <laughs> and I don't like, I'm obviously, I will, I mean, for people who know me, it's not like I'm going out and spending money on shoes. Yeah, no. To be honest, if I had $300, my first inclination would be, oh, great, we'll pay off debt. Yeah. You know, like, Which, I don't know if that counts as spending or not. But but I do. I, I definitely see money as like, oh, my goodness, like, life is full of experiences to have. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, we, we are going to we're going to use the money that we have to fill our life full of mm -hmm. rich and beautiful experiences. Um, 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we have, we've, you know, we've, my husband and I have traveled, we've been to other countries, we've um, been able to help people, yeah. you know, just, we, we've done lots of really cool things with money. So I definitely see money as like a means to an end, but I also do, I, I, I want that security. And I realize that I'm the kind of person whose uh, savings account is kind of like a sieve. And I don't know why, but it's just like, I can't keep savings. I just end up mm-hmm. using that money for things. And I don't think that they're wasteful. Sometimes they're things yeah. like medical bills, but, yeah. but, um, that is, that's a big struggle for me. Mm-hmm. So I admit it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's helpful to, to be aware of that. Yeah. So I think you just need to, and again, it's not, it's not that one type is right and the other type is wrong. You just need to recognize that about yeah. each other. And I would even and say respect mm-hmm. it because in some marriages, you don't even realize who you are and how you see money and your spouse sees it so differently and you just cannot get over your disagreements because you're coming from such different places. And so you need to sit down and you can take different financial type quizzes online because it's more than just, are you a saver? Are you a spender? It's, you know, it's deeper than that. It's what does money mean to you? And, and you need to figure that out about yourself and you need to respectfully express that and then you need to listen to your spouse express how they are and you need to respect that about them and I I would say that you need to have that hard conversation and you need to have it at a time when you can both be peaceful and if you're religious I would suggest starting with a prayer because I think once you can establish this is who I am then you you can take it from there. And that doesn't mean that if you're someone who likes to spend money a lot and you're like, this is who I am. I have to buy 10 pairs of shoes each month. That's not what I'm saying. You don't just accept that and then not change. But it, yeah, it does. Accepting who you are doesn't mean that it gives you a license to be irresponsible. I think. We, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's the next thing. You got to, you know, figure out what type of financial person you are and then respect that in yourself and in your, in your spouse. So just some resources. I'm a Dave Ramsey person. He gives a lot of really great tips on how to discuss money. And I'm going to put a link to an article, an article series from Focus on the Family. And I would highly suggest, like, if you want to just stop this podcast and go read that, that's actually, don't do that. But (laughs) he, it's just really good ideas. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And that can get, that can get the conversation going between you and your spouse. Okay, the next thing is you need to decide where the money comes from and where it goes. And the first part of this is you need to establish priorities. So what do you spend your money on first? What do you spend your money on second? And for me, what logically makes sense is you spend your money on the most important things. So for my... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say... um you know, you said, where does the money come from and where it goes? It might be worth starting the conversation by talking about where oh, is yeah. money coming from. Um, exactly. Because I, yeah. I, I, we don't know. I, I, okay, maybe Jackie knows. I don't know the exact nature of most couples' disagreements about finances. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's things like, we don't have enough money for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I imagine mm-hmm. some of the argument is also about where money is coming from and somebody saying, well, why mm-hmm. are you taking that job? That's not going to pay you enough money. Or how come I have to do all the earning in this family? How come you're not lifting your fair share? Or you've got extra time. Why don't you pick up some more clients? Blah, blah. You know, those kinds of conversations mm-hmm. may, may actually be at the front end of this conversation. May, it, it may start with where's money coming from. And maybe the disagreement is about who is earning money how much they're earning, mm-hmm. 
And that, that could be a source of mm-hmm. conflict as well. I don't actually have any like helpful tips on that other than to go back to our unity conversation. Like, um, yeah, you know. well, respect where the money is coming from. And I would, I would, I have two little comments about that. So first recognize that your solutions are not always going to be from getting more money. So some people might say, well, you're, you know, we're having these financial issues and they're disagreeing about finances. And then they say, well, you have an extra four hours every day or uh, maybe that is a lot of time, but like an extra X amount of time each week. Why don't you do more? And I think that's how a lot of people try to solve their financial disagreements. And I, my personal opinion is that you need to recognize before you go on any venture to earn more money, you need to recognize the opportunity cost. And you have to decide, is it really worth it to put in that extra time? For example, my husband is a civil engineer. He does not yet have his stamp. He's actually taking his big PE exam, which will give him that stamp soon. But he's already been able to do some side jobs for people after work. And as any engineer would know you can make a lot of money doing side jobs and there have been some financial goals that we've had and he's done little side jobs to help pay for that because that time it's like he can work for an hour and make a lot more in that hour than he would otherwise and it'd be easy to be like okay well you know we want to do this so why don't you work side jobs for the next month but then you know what I don't see him and I have two little boys who are three and under, and I've got a third little boy coming. And, and they don't mm-hmm. get to see their daddy when daddy does side jobs. And so you have to recognize every time you're trying to make more money, every time you're trying to expand where that money comes from, there is an opportunity cost. And you have to decide, is that worth it for our family? Is having that extra money to do whatever worth it? And I personally was like, honey, no, I, I don't, I want you to live with us and be with us in And he feels the same way. And so, yes, he does do side jobs, but it's not something that we rely on because what at the end of the day, what's most important is that my little boys have their daddy. Yeah. Another another potential conflict is uh, whether mom goes back to work or not. Right. Yeah. And that's another Um, opportunity cost that you need. That's an opportunity cost. Right. Are you staying at home with the kid or are you going out to work or are you trying to do both? Um, Are you going to pay for daycare or are you going to leave the child with somebody, you know, Um, mm-hmm. assuming you have kids, like, but, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's a common issue that I think happens to a lot of people. So it, yeah. and, and that's a struggle. And again, I don't think there's one right answer. I think it's, it's exactly. every couple needs to make their own choices, but you need to be on the same page. And if you can sense that one person in the couple is really uncomfortable with something, I, I think, I think love means listening to that uncomfortability and, and trying to make changes. Even, even if it's not something you mm-hmm. think is a, is what you want to do or isn't a smart choice, like you need to talk about it. And I think this next, you know, what we're talking about now is that the conversation needs to happen. And if the conversation about money happens, then these issues can come out and you can discuss what you want, what makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. about who's Mm -hmm. who and how money is being made and spent. And, and you can get on the same page, but getting on the same page can't happen if you're not talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then with the money, where it goes. And so I think this is so important, especially establishing your priorities, because if you have your priorities, that answers a lot of your disagreements. So I'm just going to give you my, you know, my personal priorities. So first, I have tithing, which is a donation we make to our church. And then um, we have shelter, so like our mortgage, food, transportation, basic clothing, insurance, emergency funds, savings and retirement planning, bills, 
like phones, internet, school funds for me because I'm still in school, and then the finer things. So like nicer clothes, nicer toys, makeup, traveling. So what a lot of people will do is they'll want to buy, let's say you want to buy your kid a really nice bike. And you go to your spouse and you're like, oh, I just really want to buy this bike. It's so cool. And it's like, okay, well, have our other priorities been met? Yes or that's, no? That's a good no? question. Okay, yeah. that answers your question. But the thing is, you have to establish your priorities together. Because if you have one cup, one person, the husband or just the wife who says, these are our priorities, and the other person is like, I didn't decide upon those, then when, then when the person who didn't decide wants the bike, they don't feel like they're unified. But just going back to my, I don't want to paint my husband and I as these perfect people because we're absolutely not. But this is one area where we really are strong. I know that if we cannot pay for food that month, we're not going to be buying a bike. Do you know what I mean? It's like you have your priorities and and that really just eliminates a lot of conflict because we're on the same page. So the next thing, and this kind of goes off of that, is you have to decide what do you want to spend our money on? Like what are your goals? And I personally, I would rather travel and experience cool things than have a nice car. You know, it's more important to me. My husband and I try to take, not try, we make it a priority. We take a honeymoon every year. And some years, especially the lean student years, it was like a weekend in the town across the way. But this last year, we went on a fun trip with some friends. And that was something that we saved for and, you know, and we made a priority. And we said no to other things in order to do that. And other people, I have a friend who, you know, early in their marriage, she said, just so you know, honey, spending money on my hair is is non-negotiable. That is important. (laughs) There you go. You know, and that's what's important to them. So anyways, do you have anything to say about that, Kendra? No, I I agree. And I'm glad that somebody's willing to to say that. But most people just kind of dance around the issue. And it's like, no, no, I just need to let you know that this is really important to me. And, And I know it doesn't sound important to you. But it's important to me. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of something that I, like, because we, we're both pretty frugal. My husband, you should have seen my husband's glasses a couple weeks ago. He, he broke his glasses and then didn't want to bother getting new ones. So <laughs> he glued, he, he took yeah. them and realized we couldn't get the screw replaced. So we glued them together. Mm-hmm. The glue popped off. And then he glued them back again, Mm -hmm. and then he dropped them, and the other side broke. So he had glue on both sides of his glasses until the glue broke, and so he had to start wrapping it up with tape. And then he actually went to work one day wearing those glasses, and I was like, that makes me so happy, because (laughs) Carter is the same exact way. He's had one pair of glasses that literally has broken, I kid you not, like 25 times. Because I have a little boy who's a little one-year-old and likes to take them and play with them anyways. Yes. Yeah. So we so, did eventually go and get glasses. <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah. Like, even though we are not poor right now, per se, like, we still went to the optometrist and went to the $50 shelf to get his glasses. Because, of course. Yeah. Because he doesn't care what his glasses look like. Exactly. And, I don't and that either. is the point. Yeah. And that is the point is... For some people, having nice, beautiful glasses 
is the priority? And if that's right. you, and you know what's important? Yeah. Okay. So I can th- I can think of something else. Yeah. I have really really expensive lotion for my face. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, and I I I do, and that's it's important to me. Yeah. And I don't want any other kind of lotion. Like that's what I want, and that's one that's om- that's pretty non negotiable. Granted, that's probably not going to break anybody's bank. Even we're not talking hundreds of dollars. Yeah, but, but still, you know, it's that's okay for me to, to say you. this is the kind of lotion I want, and I'm willing to have cheap glasses and expensive lotion so setting priorities is good and what and her next point which is don't base your priorities off of anybody else it's okay that that your your glasses and my glasses aren't necessary or or whether my car is as nice as your car versus whether my hair is as nice as your hair Mm -hmm. we're all gonna have a different exactly and that is totally okay yeah and don't basically it's just the principle do not try to keep up with the joneses because the joneses have different priorities and quite frankly they are probably broke and even if they're not they have different priorities from you so just a really quick example of that you know so just up until recently up until a week ago actually my bumper was being held on by duct tape and you can imagine the types of looks I got. I'm sure people were looking at me like, oh my gosh, you slummy person. Why can't you get your life in order? And, you know, kind of the same thing as Kendra. Like, we're in the beginnings of this of our career, but, you know, we're not poor by any means. It's just that we have different priorities. And for us, we're saving up for a new car right now, and we're not ready to buy a new car. And we're not re- we weren't ready to drop, you know, a bunch of money on on getting this car fixed. And so my husband, he went to the pick and pull and he found a bumper that was the right make and model and he he put it on himself. And you know what, my bumper now looks great. But I'm sure there were lots of people who looked at that and were like, are you crazy? Why are you driving this junky car? And, and the point is, it was not a priority to us to have a car that looked super nice. And that's okay, and that's great. But to somebody else, it might be. So. But I'm so grateful that I did not drop $1,000 on getting a new bumper just so I could mm-hmm. keep up with somebody else's priorities. Because if you are trying to, you know, do what other people are expected to do, you're just going to be broke and sad. Agreed. Because, you know, that's no fun. So, anyways, the next thing is as soon as you establish your priorities, you've got to make percentages of what goes where. So... You know, you can give 10% to charities. You can do 15% investments in retirement and 75% everything else. You just kind of have to agree upon, okay, so these are our priorities. How much do we want to put in every single area? And then based off of that, you go to the next principle, which is making a budget, which I know budgeting is no fun. I hate budgeting, but it is so important if you want to have an idea of where your money's going. And you make this budget based off of what you mutually want and you decide where you're going to spend your money. And again, it just goes back to the principle like recognize you will you will not be able to afford everything you want. Yeah, I can second that. Let's just say it. You will not be <laughs> able won't. to afford everything you want. I mean, unless want. you're like, I don't know, a few people, a few, but I would even say celebrities. Like I heard about this one and I'll have to verify who this is and put it in the show notes, but... Like one celebrity who has so much money, they put an aquarium in their car. What? And I know. And I'm like, in man. Your car? Poor yeah, fish. but I think even <laughs> if you have a gazillion dollars, there's still going to be things you want. And again, having more money will not necessarily solve that problem. 
you know, because there's always things that you can buy, like you can have an aquarium in your car. So recognizing upfront, I'm not going to be able to have everything that I want right now. And you just got to accept that. And again, you got to go back to what do I want the most? And that's what we're going to put our money in. Um, so after you establish your budget, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. Kendra, interject anytime. <laughs> no, no, you're, okay. you're doing great. Okay. Please keep going. This so is good. Any, so you. anytime you have your budget, and I have this in bold in my outline. Okay, you need to have your budget plastered everywhere you will see it. For me personally, I have my budget on my fridge. I have it in my little homemaking binder because I have one of those because I'm a nerd. And I have it on my desktop. And and that's because I, I'm really good about spending too much in certain categories and I really don't want to spend too much in those categories. So when I have my budget and I, I see, okay, this is how much money I have to spend on this thing. And I've agreed that this is the right amount. So it's not like my husband's just telling me, this is how much you have, deal with it. Which if that's you and you're happy with that, that's fine. But for me, I could not do that. Um, so what was my point? Oh, just, I know how much I, I have to spend and I gauge, okay, how close am I? Do I really want to go out to eat that night? Because that's going to draw from you know, that's going to take X amount of money, which for me, going out to eat is always worth it. I love doing that. You can use different apps or you can just do it manually, but you need to track how much you're spending. Yeah. There needs to be some way of tracking. There has yeah. to like how you do it. Good grief. Like books and, you know, libraries have been written about how, yeah. how not just how to make a budget. Cause I, I'm really good at making budgets. Oh, it's the following. That's, that's, that's the, stinker, the easy part. <laughs> isn't it? It's kind of like making a workout plan versus actually yeah, going to the gym sorry, every day. That was the point, um, yeah. That's the, that's the unfun part. And that's what Jackie's very good at doing because she does keep her budget in front of her. And, and if you have, again, there are so many apps to help with this. Mm -hmm. There's env like envelopes are one way that people do things. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like, uh, trackers that you can use on your phone. Mm -hmm. That's helpful for me to have on my phone so yeah. that when I'm at the checkout line, I can enter how much I've spent mm -hmm. and just automatically plug it in yeah. and say, this is how much I spent on this. This is how much I spent on this. Yeah. And it automatically does the deductions on my phone. Yeah. So like I said, there's lots of apps that can help with that. And I highly recommend at least trying some out and, and do some mm -hmm. exploring to find out what system works for the two of you. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll just help you keep track. And again, the simpler, the better. Yeah, I think. definitely. So you have your budget, you're keeping track of it. Um, just as a way of information, I personally use mint.com and I adore them. So they keep track of it all for me. And, and it's nice because I don't have to do as much. I do try to keep track by hand, but mint.com picks up where I slack off. So then you are keeping track of your budget. And I would say you need to have budget meetings and that that does not sound sexy at all, but it can be if you make it. Um, but once, I would say once, twice a month, you need to talk about, okay, where did the money go this month? And by the way, I absolutely, I don't like these because who wants to sit and talk about money? I, it's, I mean, I guess that's what we're doing right now. But um, the point is, it's good to go over where you've spent your money because then you're on the same page and you know with, you know, okay, we, we said we had these priorities. Are we meeting these priorities? You know, and not doing that in an accusatory yeah, way. No, and been no, like, no, no. huh, looks like you spent this on this. Uh, why did you go do that? You know, yeah. did we really, you know, so that's, it's very yeah, easy to no, see no. your, your, uh, your checking account summary, account summary as a list of indictments for one spouse or the other. 
Yeah. And you absolutely must not do that. And like I said, communicating about these in advance to know and plan where you're going to spend your money avoids some of these problems. Exactly. Well, and can I just, yes, 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 yes. If you don't hear anything else that I say or that we say today, hear this. Once you have established and agreed upon priorities, you don't need to ask your spouse why did you spend that on this or what you know unless there's something really outrageous but one thing that i love is my husband like let me just give an example okay so i get really bad back pain and headaches regularly mm-hmm. and it's gotten worse with my pregnancy i found a really great chiropractic deal and it was a great deal except that we didn't have a budget for it and i was really like oh honey like i think that this is worth it but what do you think? Like, this isn't technically in our budget. And he said, what do you think? You you have the same priorities as me. What do you think? And I said, you know what? I think it's worth it. And he said, okay, let's do it. And, and my husband does not ask me how much I'm spending on things because we've established that trust within our relationship of we have the same priorities. So then our budget meetings, it's not like I'm sitting there, Carter, did you, why did you spend $10 here and $15 here? You know, like sometimes we do go over on our budgets. Like we're human. That happens all the time. But, but you don't have to have that accusatory language because you've established unity. And just to further that, I, I think she, she mentioned starting these kind of meetings like with a prayer. And I think that that's a good idea. But, yeah, but, but I think that whether, whether it's a prayer or whether it's just saying in your heart, our relationship and our love for each other is more important than whatever is happening with our bank accounts. I mean, anything. Our love and relationship and trust should come first. Mm-hmm. Be- and because money exactly. can be such a sensitive issue, I think it's important to reaffirm the sense that we are on the same team we want to help each other to be happy and that comes first so not to get caught up in things like you said even if things go wrong and even if all of a sudden you do have all kinds of budget expenditures that were unexpected and Jackie and I have both Mm -hmm. had those so yeah don't (laughs) like last month (laughs) to not I mean it's 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 hard to not take money personally Mm -hmm. but uh yeah but I mean, in a way, we kind of have to do that. That's We have to make our marriage more personal than our money. Yeah, and, you know, just thinking about some people, it, it might really rub them the wrong way, the thought that they need to be accountable to somebody else with how they're spending. And, you know, I can see why that would be frustrating. So what something that some couples do is they have freedom money, quote-unquote freedom money budget each month where it's like each member of the relationship has X amount of money that they just get to do whatever they want with. It's like, here's, you know, you get $100, spend it however you want, whatever, you know. Um, and and if you have, if, if that's important to you to have money that just kind of, you get to do whatever you want, or like let's say you get birthday money and some people might think, well, this, you know, some people just might want to have that money just for themselves where they don't have to be accountable to any budget or anything. And, and I can see why that is super appealing. So if, if you want that, do it, make it into your budget. But the point is you should discuss it beforehand and you should decide, okay, this money is going to be for whatever the heck we want. And, and that's great. Um, okay. The next principle is debt sucks. don't do it as much as possible and sometimes sometimes I mean I I get it like sometimes these things come up but man if you can avoid it 
I mean, my personal philosophy is debt is only do debt for housing, like if you a mortgage, and if you absolutely have to for school, you know, but don't go into it willy nilly because consumer debt, guys, it's just not worth it. It's like, true. just don't do it. You know, and you can use your credit card as like a debit. I mean, we use our credit card to establish credit. Uh, and there are some people who think that even that is dumb, but it's worked really well for us. But for some people, it's like you pull out that credit card and you're instantly like, well, hey, I can spend more than, you know, whatever, because I don't have to pay for it right now. And that just creates problems. I would just say debt stinks. Don't do it. Avoid it as much as possible. Debt is bondage and it's not fun. And if you're really struggling with it, I would highly, highly, highly recommend uh, looking into Dave Ramsey's materials because he has this principle called the, the debt snowball effect. And man, it really helps people get out of debt. And I just want to test testify. <laughs> um, but when you don't have that hanging over your head, there is a lot of freedom. It feels really good. I mean, right now my husband and I have a mortgage, but that is it. And it's so nice because you know the rest of our money we get to do what we want and that's just really nice so what do you- i'll be the i'll be the bad example here because i am in debt student debt and consumer debt and again i i didn't get into consumer debt because i was like oh i need to go out and get nice shoes it was mm-hmm. things like oh you know gosh we really need to fix this thing or we really need to um, take care of this really important. I mean, they're all important mm-hmm. things. I, I, I never felt like we were just just spending money. But even things that seem really important, if you don't have money to do, you can't do them. And, yeah. and that's just the fact of life. And I will, I will second the fact that even if you are a student, do not use education as an excuse to borrow more money than you need. Yes. If you can work while you're in school, work while you're in school. Take out the absolute smallest amount of money that you yeah. can possibly get away with because you think that later it'll be okay. Yeah. And here's the thing, guys. I, it's not like nobody told me this. Like, I grew up listening to everybody else saying, don't get into debt, don't take out loans, don't use credit cards. Like, I've heard all of that. And I remember thinking... No worries. I'm responsible. I will never get caught into that. And I did. I got caught into it. And some I still don't even know how. Like yeah. things that you, you wouldn't even think will get you into debt will if you give yourself the opportunity to do so. So just learn from other people's bad choices, including my own, and just like really just trust that lots of other responsible people have fallen into this trap and therefore you will too. Well, and, recognize, and so yeah. even if you're doing well financially, you can end up doing really poorly financially because so much of your paycheck is going towards paying off debt as opposed to using it for the things you really want. So yeah, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. I and I don't, I don't mean to paint, <laughs> I don't mean to paint Carter and I as like, everyone be like us because because <laughs> no no this is point. good we're doing like a before and after example for our audience uh i'm, I'm aspiring to someday be where you are now no so. i mean finances are are one thing that um i feel like we've been we've been doing pretty good at and so i just want i want other people to have the peace that we enjoy and you know what there are there are hard moments where i'm like gosh dang it i just really want this and it's like a really good want to have but you have to decide you know it comes down to do you have the money for it no you don't so you don't do it end of story done over yeah, and that includes things like christmas presents and trips to go yeah. see important oh, events man. like yeah 
weddings and funerals like oof gosh that is yeah. really important but gosh travel yeah. and christmas are expensive so even things that seem really important you still need to find exactly. a way to pay for it and that can be sacrificing other things but again you can't mm-hmm. afford everything you exactly. want exactly yeah and that's okay and don't don't let anyone make you feel bad about your priorities okay so oh i just one more thing about debt i'm going to just go ahead and say it recognize that if you are in a lot of debt You've got to be really careful about when you decide to spend a ton of money on super crazy fun expensive stuff. Recognize that when you are in debt, your money is accounted for. It needs to go somewhere and don't make your financial problems worse by acting as though you're not in debt. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. that's not yeah. going to help. When you're in debt, everything that you are spending is exactly. a credit. So, so everything you're spending is is adding yeah. to your problem. Yeah. And man, that's stuck. Uh, yeah. It's not fun stuff. <laughs> okay. Let's. I'm sorry. Next week we'll be happy. I'm so sorry. If anyone is still listening, I'm just apologizing because I hate talking about budgeting. It's just hard. Okay. So the next thing is make goals. Like you can have a goal to get out of debt or you can have a goal to establish a great emergency fund that could sustain you for three to six months of no employment, Um, which I do that. That's so nice to have, by the way. Like, oh, it's a blessing. So try to have that if you can. Um, Hashtag Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Anyways, so have your goals. You know, try to have your emergency fund. Decide, okay, we want to start this investment. We want to start retirement planning. We Heck, we want to start saving for our kids' college education. You know, we want to put in whatever. And and then decide on your goals together. And then you kind of have that fun thing that you are working towards together. Like, I'll just give an example. My husband and I are saving for a car. And that's exciting. And we know, you know, an X amount of, it's it's going to be years, guys. <laughs> but, you know, an X amount of years, we're going to be able to buy a new car. And that's so cool. And I know that, man, if I go over my budget too much, that goes into my car savings. And that stinks. So, and I want a car because my van is over 10 years old. It's 14 years old. <laughs> so, anyways, you have your goals and you work towards them every month. And you know, okay... If I just will not spend extra money on Amazon, because come on, guys, how easy is it for just us to just order stuff on Amazon? I mean, it takes like five seconds. And, you know, it's just like being aware of those little things mm-hmm. and then being deliberate about those choices. And then that opens up freedom to purchase the things that really, really, really matter. So I don't know. That's what I have to say about goals. Do you yeah. have anything, Kendra? Go for it. Okay. No. So the last thing is getting help and advice from trusted, financially savvy people. So when Carter and I were newly-ish married, I think it was like two years into our marriage, there was a guy in our in our congregation at church who had spent his career being an investment broker. And he his wife described him as the investment whisperer. Did you go to those meetings, Kendra? Yes, I, I did, actually. Yeah. yeah. So we went to, so Carter went to those. I was home with the baby. Otherwise I would have gone. And we got a lot of great advice from him. And then we started, you know, reading the Dave Ramsey books. And we asked, we have people in our life that are very financially savvy. And we sat down with them and asked them questions. And, and the point is learn, learn how to be financially savvy together. Because then you're operating from the same set of principles. You know, there are lots of things that were different about how Carter and I saw money in the beginning of our marriage. But as we've learned how to be adults together, we've established one mind as far as finances go. 
and um and it's just nice yeah and i will say something to jackie's credit jackie and carter because they were young when they got married and had kids and were still in school they had to make really difficult financial choices (laughs) and i will say (laughs) that there's also evidence that people who have less money often make better financial decisions than people who have more money. Oh, good. So if you're like, well, I don't need to have this conversation right now because we're fine, recognize the fact that sometimes the wealthy could take a tip from the poor as far as managing money. And that that sometimes if you're struggling with hardship right now financially, that this is Mm -hmm. actually an ideal time to learn these principles and hopefully to continue applying these principles when that situation has passed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are all the principles we have. Again, I feel like I've talked a lot about my life, but this is something that has been a huge blessing for my life. I got married when I was 19. My husband was 21. We were just kids. I mean, we're still just kids. And we had to learn how to be adults together. We had to learn how to be responsible adults together. and, And we did. And it's great. And I just think there are so many people who struggle with this within their marriage and you don't have to, you don't have to, you can go through these steps and you can find peace and unity to where you never have to worry about money. You never have to, I mean, there may be unexpected bills that come up, but, but you have an emergency fund. So, you know, it's cared for, you know, it's just, that's such a blessing guys, when you don't have to worry about money and you can just love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I think I think there's a lot of joy and peace that comes from making finances work for you instead of against you and against your mm-hmm. marriage. So yeah. getting on the same page yeah. and, and like Jackie said, having the conversation, at least getting it started if that hasn't already happened. Um, financial things come up after you're married far more than they do beforehand. Even if you feel like you've talked about finances when you're dating or engaged. It's not mm-hmm. until you're married that you really start seeing yeah. start seeing your habits yeah. and differences. And uh, mm-hmm. when that conversation happens, hopefully you're going to have more tools to, to, to have the conversation, to have it successfully. And again, to remember that what matters most is that you're on the same page and that you're communicating with each other and that your love for each other comes first. Exactly. And as you establish that trust and respect for each other and your spending habits and, and inclinations and what money means to each of you, you're also going to find more freedom and a lot more ability to achieve your goals individually and as a couple. Yeah, so, I love yeah. it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. This was kind of an intense podcast and I'm sorry if you've been uncomfortable the whole time. Money sucks. It just does. And I'm sorry, but we're so grateful that you joined us and I hope you'll come and visit us next week where we continue this series with marriage. But again, thank you for visiting the Family Matters podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.